Hello and welcome to Cigar Cash, your weekly one-stop shop for all things cigar-related, including industry news, reviews, and everything in between. We're recording live from Crown Cigars and Nails here in beautiful Brentwood, Tennessee. I'm one of your hosts, Trey Devin. I'm joined by Shane Reeves. Now, give me my Wabash Cannonball. <laughs> Is that as fast as you could go that through that? I was channeling the Micro Machines guy. <laughs> I have been waiting for two weeks for this cigar. I know. I really considered... Oh, I know leaving, you did. Leaving them at home and saying, I forgot them, but then I knew we'd have to roll everything back up, oh, drive we, to we Casa. we would be recording from your back porch this week <laughs> if that had been the case. So, anyway, yes, we have the Wabash Cannonball. <laughs> and, you know, I'm, okay, I'm expecting a lot of this cigar tonight. Just because of my hype? No, because um, Last week, we astounded the virtues of fall tobacco, of yeah. San Andreas being fall tobacco. And this is a San Andreas wrapper over a Nicaraguan binder, Nicaraguan filler. This should be an excellent cigar. Yeah. And as it we just so happens, it got up to 85 degrees today, so yeah. <laughs> it's well, hardly fall weather. As I mentioned before the show, I'm having an angry day, so I need my cigar to just calm me down. I need to see that blue smoke drifting and see my worries kind of wandering away via that. So this this is a tall order for a little cigar on this day. But we're going to see if it's up to snuff. All righty. Well, let's do and it. All, the worst thing that could happen is it not be good. And I will say, while you cut your cigar, 100% Zycar Punch, best idea ever. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to buy another one just to keep one. Well, I got to buy another one for my wife. Oh, is she, is she a fan? Yeah. Now I go outside and she hands me her cigar. And I don't mind cutting her cigar. That's, don't get me wrong. But I do like for her to have a certain autonomy when it comes to that. Because if anything malfunctions with the cigar, then I become. It's your fault. Yeah, I become the guilty party. So I am, but I do love the sharpness of the cutter. I love the way it retracts. I love everything about this punch. I've punched probably all of my cigars since I got it. That's You were a punch guy for a very long time. You kind of got away from it. Well, even this one, this cigar is barely bigger right. than the size of my punch, but it's so sharp, I can just, all I got to do is wait and feel it get through uh-huh. that cap as soon as it penetrates that cap. And it will stay sharp for a very long time. The trick is... Don't shove it in there. Just gently. It's just a cutter. It's not a draw poker. I think that's the number one mistake people make with punches is they treat it like it's a draw poker rather than a cutter. I think that's the number one mistake people make with cutters is they treat it like it's a draw poker. Well, I think the traditional punch that you're used to seeing that you get for a nickel up by the cash register at your brick and mortar is is small and dull. And so it kind of requires a bit more force to kind of get it to do what you want it to do. So I can kind of, so I, there's a part of me that can understand why people do that because it's born out of necessity of an inferior product that they're using. Well, but okay, how hard would it be to do it well? I mean, how much harder could it possibly be to have a sharp punch for a nickel than a dull punch for a nickel? Well, <laughs> you've got a sharp punch there and you paid $30 for it versus... The dull ones that are smaller for a nickel, I think that kind of... Now, there's more to it than that. That one's got an all-metal construction versus plastic. You know, they, they could definitely get... They could definitely improve their product, even in the budget, just by sharpening the... 
you know, the punch. But, yeah, I can see that they probably do it that way to keep the cost down. Rarely in life is it very much harder to do it well than it is to do it poorly. The amount of effort it takes from to go from doing something poorly to doing something well is so disproportionate to the amount of reward that I'm surprised anybody does anything poorly. It's the apex of laziness if you do something poorly. I, I disagree. I think, I think there's so much more that goes into it. I think it's far more nuanced than that. I've done a million things. I've done houses. It's just as easy to do them right as it is to do them wrong. Actually, in a lot of cases, it's harder to do them wrong because they fall down. I draw house plans. It's just as easier, easy to do them right as it is to do them poorly. I've built things. I've done hunting. I've fished. I've done everything I've ever done. It's been just a minor bit of effort to do it great than it was to do it poorly. Yeah, but you're... you're Extraordinary genius. You're extrapolating from your personal experience to manufacturing and you know and, and bringing products to market and things like that and and when you when you're dealing with something as complex as the open marketplace i think there's there's a bit more to it than just especially when the competition is so great that there's really no tangible benefit to doing it slightly better you know it's like the the plastic punches that you get over there i think you know we said a nickel but i think realistically it's about three and a half bucks so is it 10 times the effort to get one as good as the as the zycar maybe not but is it at what point do you have to improve your processes to without improving the price the difference in getting the blade sharp and the blade not being sharp would be such a minor part of the cost. You know, the Zycar, I'm paying for the mechanical parts. I'm paying for the name. I'm paying for the advertising. I'm paying, paying for, for the, the warranty. Line, for the warranty. I'm paying for all the things that go into Zycar. Yeah. I don't have those expectations of that. So the least they could do is get the son of a buck sharp. Well. <laughs> I mean, so interesting. The cold draw on the Wabash gave me nothing. Yeah, it really didn't give me anything. I had no flavor come through or any expectations to be set from the cold draw. Now I've lit it. Mine's a hair tight. How's yours? Mine's about right. All right. I mean, it's not Padron soft, but it's about right. It's it's a, you can tell there's some resistance there and all, but we'll we'll find out as the cigar wears on how it how it lands out. So first article, you know what I love. I love when the first article is some, is an article that I really like. We need to just start making that a rule that instead of starting out with something political or so something that, you're that not I hate, such a cantankerous. Well, there's only so much you can do about that. He's in a mood tonight, folks. Just be forewarned. I'm not in a mood. I'm you not. said it yourself before we started recording. I'm, I've, but I've changed that mood. Oh, look in my hand. I have lit a cigar. Fair enough. All right, <laughs> and lead, lead us into the article. So the historic role of El Lector in educating cigar factory workers. Okay, terrible name for the article. Because this is an article out of the WBTW News 13 coverage you can count on in Myrtle Beach. It says Myrtle Beach is the temperature it's got on. It sounds like a Tampa article to me, doesn't it, you? It, well, but it reaches. Anyway, um, Tampa, Florida... 
They talk about how when they used to have cigar factories and the rollers were all sitting around rolling, one person would be paid to stand up in front. Um, They got a beautiful picture of him in this um, drum major's podium, basically reading the daily news. I've heard about them reading books. I've heard about all of these things happening while they're rolling the cigars. And at the end of the week, everybody would take a little piece of what they made that week and throw it over to the to the elector. Yeah, it was the it was like tipping out. If you've ever worked in the restaurant industry, you know the servers give a certain amount of their tips to the bartenders and to the food runners and the hostess and things like that. It's that is that same kind of principle, because the idea is that they wouldn't be able to do their job without this guy, at yeah. least not as well. Well, and it's interesting because this is kind of the predecessor to what we do here. You know, when I was in Ybor City and watching the rollers, almost all of them had a set of earphones in their head. Well, you know, so I watch a lot of How It's Made. I love that show. And by and large, a lot of their topics are fully automated. But, you know, there's still a lot of manufacturing that happens on this continent that is only semi-automated or or maybe even not automated at all. And invariably you see a lot of these workers sitting there with headphones on. I mean, I couldn't imagine undertaking the monotonous factory type work without something to keep me focused and my mind engaged all day. Well, during the my days of purgatory working for other people, when I would have to be in my office drawing houses, I always had headphones in. I even started back when I had cassette tapes, and I would actually record the morning show mm-hmm. so that I could listen to it through the day and fast forward through the commercials. Right. You know, the, mo- the worst way when when podcasting, audio on demand came out, it was the greatest day of my life. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, it was unbelievable how enjoyable that became because now I can, you know, if I want to listen to a podcast on anything, I can. I can listen to it on cryptozoology. I can listen to it about cigars. I can listen to it about... You know, I listen to Adam Carolla every day, but, well, I listen to Adam Carolla every day. I give him a chance every right. day. But if he's got an impressionist or a skit guy on there, I'm, I listen to something else. <laughs> impressionist comedians are, to me, the bottom feeder. They're just right below prop comics. Below prop comics? Yeah, prop comics at least got a heavier lug around heavy stuff. Impressionist ain't even lugging around anything Where do you heavy. put ventriloquists on that? Because they're the bottom of the barrel for me. Ventriloquists are pretty low. They're pretty, but... At least there's a rudimentary skill. I will still put them, they're just slightly above prop comic. Right below music comic, right above prop comic. But all of the gimmicky comics, now, the storyteller comic is my favorite. Right. And the joke teller comic would be second. I don't mind the joke, the Mitch Hedbergs and the joke guys. I don't mind them at all. But, so I I guess to, to clarify, we have the pinnacle is storyteller, Next step down is joke comic. Next step down, ventriloquist, prop comic, music comic, and um, impersonist, impersonator, whatever they are. <laughs> but anyway, back to the story. You, <laughs> you and I have widely different views on that, but that's, but that's fine. Well, now, everybody so, asked me, have you ever watched Saturday Night Live? No, because I don't like skit comedy. I just, I don't enjoy. I didn't enjoy Mad TV and Living Color. None of the famous skit shows throughout history. Not interested. Never never been a fan, huh? Never been a fan. I, I, I like to get a little invested. I like a good story. Fair enough. And also, and this is interesting that they'd, that they'd all sit around. They would pay that. Now we're kind of, this is kind of the basis of podcasting. 
I just wonder how editorialized this became, or did they just read out, or how did that work? My understanding is that they just read it. You know, there's enough editorialization in the news to begin with, always really has been, that I, I wouldn't think you'd need to add much punctuation on top of that. Right. This is a good smoke ring cigar. I noticed that. I mean, this is just a really good smoky cigar. Um, I'm. This is what the Buckeye Land could have been. Yeah. That's kind of the what, what my initial first. It doesn't have that harsh bite. Right. This is kind of this is good San Andreas. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm getting a little hit of ammonia. I'm still getting a See, little. See, I don't get any yeah, of that. I've got a little hit of ammonia happening on the very tail end of the blow. But um, that there are still very young cigars. Mm. But the um, the flavor's there. The flavor ain't bad. And I also just thought that was super interesting about the lectern. Well, it's interesting, too. You know, it started in the Cuban cigar factories and then migrated its way into Ybor City at the beginning of the 20th century. And it resulted in, the, in there being that tobacco factory workers were among the more educated of people in those communities just by virtue of the fact, I mean, have you ever known anybody who reads the entire paper front to back every day? No. Essentially, these people did though. Yeah. And, you know, regardless of what's in the news, just being that well informed, you know, and then when they ran out of news for the day, they switch over to a book and they were, you know, it does make me wonder if it was still the same principle that they rely on now, which is pretty much in every tobacco factory, it's based not on your hours, but on your content created. Right, your production. Your production. You know, if, oh man, I'm almost done for the day, but I really want to hear chapter three. Like, <laughs> slow down the roll, slow your <laughs> slow, roll. Slow your roll a little bit. <laughs> um, but I can, you know, as somebody who listens to music or podcasts when I work, I can definitely see how much more efficient and happy this had to have made factory workers. I couldn't have imagined being... Well, it's almost a survival technique. Yeah. I mean, you can't just unplug your brain. Because, okay, yes, rolling cigars takes skill. But anything you do long enough, you know, drawing house plans takes skill, but I have done it long enough. It does not occupy my full being to draw a plan. Right. You can do it on autopilot. Yeah. Yeah, especially now there's certain parts of it. You know, the initial concept and working that out takes a lot of focus. Yeah. It's that 10,000 hours thing. Right. You know, the roof plan, the foundation plan, all that's just autopilot because I'm going off of what I've already created. Right. So, yeah, very interesting. I, I really like it. I really like what they're doing there. So, all right, you're going to explain this to me now, right? Yes. The Crank Brothers Cigar Tool Fixes Punctures in Style. This is from PinkBike.com. I'm sure you're a subscriber. Well, it's a <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I am familiar with PinkBike.com. So, tell me about this. So, Crank Brothers is a company that makes a lot of accessories for, for bikes. And despite the fact that they call it the Cigar Tool... It doesn't actually have anything to do with cigars whatsoever. So why do they call it the cigar tool? You know... It has no I, shape of cigar. I cannot, for the life of me, figure out why they call it the cigar tool. Um, what it is, though, is basically your the end-all, be-all puncture kit. And as, as a roadie, I can tell you that punctures, they happen. They happen a lot, and they're not fun. 
And the idea behind this, uh, I believe this is more intended for mountain bikers, which get their fair share of punctures as well because you're out there rocks and sticks and things like that. It comes with plugs, so you can, you can still plug a tire, uh, especially as a lot of higher-end bikes are moving to tubeless tires, so much more like the radial that you have on your car versus you know what you typically think of with a bike tire. Um, has a CO2 canister built in because that's when you're, you know, for example, a, a road bike tire uh, carries PSI usually around 100. Right. Um, so you've got a lot of air pressure in that tire. If you use one of those little hand pumps that you see marketed, you're right. never going to be able to generate the force in that little bit of stroke to be able to actually get 100 PSI in your tire. So the idea behind using CO2 is that it actually allows you to get up where you need to be without having so to So do you pump way. it up first and then hit it with the CO? I know this has nothing to do with cigars, but I'm interested. Yeah. Um, sometimes you do. I don't. Um, so is there in that little can, if you just hit the tire with that, is it going to blow it up yeah. enough? Yeah. That it- It'll blow it up usually to around 75 to 80, which is enough. I mean, it's not as you still want to top it up when you get where you're going if you have the availability, but it, it's enough to ride. Okay. So, yeah, so this has a little tool to, to you know, thread the, the plug in, and it's got an adapter for the actual air valve and the CO2 cap. So it's a really good piece of kit if you're a bike rider. Twenty nine ninety nine. I mean, that seems like a the, bargain. It's about the cheapest thing you can buy to put on a bike. Yeah, that, that seems like a bargain to me. <laughs> Sean just walked in and knocked your bicycle over. Well. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that, I mean, I think that's cool. I mean, I don't mind mentioning cool stuff on the yeah. podcast. That's pretty darn cool, even if it, I just happened to stumble across it. Yeah, it's a great and piece And I of wanted kit. your professional review because somebody else will be looking for cigar stuff and this come up and they'll ask. But so, I, and you know, I guess I could use it. Why is why don't they just go ahead and make this a cigar tool? Right. Turn the little punch thing into a nubber. Change the CO two to butane. Put a lighter head on the end of it. I mean, this seems right. like a great. Well, and I think it's funny too. Is there's a little blurb in the article that said, "I'm not sure the cigar smoking circle of society overlaps much with the bicycle riding circle." Clearly, this is somebody who has never stepped foot in a cigar shop. <laughs> It's mostly old old guys that still want to exercise but don't want to damage their knees running. There, I, there are half a dozen of us in this shop alone that cycle for fitness. Oh, yeah. yeah it's, I a, mean, it's a great overlap. As, as we're going to talk about in the second half of the show, promotions. Yeah. You know, the bicycle that CAO did for a promotion and all. There's going to be a lot. Of, I think that's going to be a very successful promotion for them. I wish they had better cigars to go with it. Agreed. But, I mean, they're... But it's their whole line. It's not just the bones. So you get the special, or you get the raffle tickets on all CAO products, not just the bones. Well, I've been all, trying to get Austin to carry the Zocala here, mm-hmm. and cannot get him to just order it. I don't, and I don't think he's against ordering. I think he's just too lazy. <laughs> or just know. slips his mind when it comes time. All right. So one more thing before the break. I'm feeling better now. I'm feeling less Good. grouchy. I'm feeling more relaxed. <laughs> Until you read this from the Valley Breeze, they're on your side. Neighbors of Cigar Bars Say They've Had Enough by Ethan Shorey. So in Pawtucket, I guess that's Pennsylvania. Pawtucket's Pennsylvania, ain't it? Uh, Rhode Island? Is it Rhode Island? I couldn't tell you. Um, Basically, so COVID happened. Right. And they said, okay, we'll let you open your cigar bar, but you go do it in the parking lot. So now the neighbors are complaining that smoke is blowing through because they don't have air conditioning in their houses and they leave the windows open and smoke. 
folks, could you not just move? <laughs> You're acting like someone moving where they live is just as simple as just packing up and heading off down the road. How much harder is it than that? <laughs> There's so much that goes into it in terms of, you know, a lot of people have kids, so you've got to think of school districts. There's the cost associated not only with selling your house during a pandemic, but also trying to buy a new one and then the cost of moving. It's n- it's not just as simple as just, oh, sure well, it is. I don't like the smell of smoke on my street, so I'm just going to move? No. So here's the thing. I'm not on the side of the neighbors in this case, but I'm saying your your idea that if you don't like it, move, They were. what if they were there first? Here's the deal. You got two choices, move or quit grumbling. No. Those are your two choices. They have every right to grumble. But to no avail for no reason other than to raise a fuss because the cigar bar ain't moving. Um, the reason the cigar bar smokers are having to smoke outside is because of the city and the states and the counties and all that garbage. So it's just part of life. Can you not just accept it's part? Of, and moving ain't hard. I have done it 30, 40 times in my life. Moving is not that hard. You throw stuff in the boxes. You find somewhere else to live. Kids, I'm going to tell you, what the parents do with the kids matters so much more than the school district the kids are put into. Invest time and energy in your kids. You'll get better kids. Quit trying to pawn it off on a school system. There's so much more that goes into it that, than that, though. Nah. <laughs> it's simple. <laughs> Spoken from a man who's never had kids. Uh, that's true, but I can en- I've also never drove my car off the side of a mountain. I know it would hurt when I landed. I am capable, you know, that's my chief argument in life with people. They say, oh, you've never done this. No, but that's the difference in human beings and animals. We can intellectualize and make qualified judgments without actually having to see if the stove is hot. Believe it or not. So if I'm standing next to a stove and I tell you don't touch it, you can, you're going to say to me, what, you've never touched a stove. How do you know it's hot? It, it's not a, that is that is not a sound comparison. Completely sound. No, you it's are not. either capable you're, of intellectualization but, or you are not. But not all things that you are intellectualizing over are as simple as you're making them out to be. There are certain scenarios in which, I mean, yes, I know cancer treatment sucks. And I can conceptualize and I can empathize with the fact that cancer treatment sucks and I don't ever want to have to go through it. But that doesn't mean I truly grasp all of the ways in which it sucks and the things that are made harder or easier or that you don't think of without having experienced it firsthand. Okay. But you can still ignore, you can still get the outline. Yeah, but I'm saying... If you go through life and the only time you choose to comment on something is if you have intimate knowledge of it, then you're not going to get to comment on much in life. And all. So you should be able to, there's a certain amount of intellectualization. Not everybody understands all the nuances of drawing a house. That's why they call me. I do. Do I bug them with all those details? No. I just do it and fix it and move on. It's just simple. I, I think we make life too hard. I think people do, you know. And here's the thing. If you can't afford air conditioning, so you have to leave your windows open. And all, then you probably you probably go somewhere else where they have air conditioning. <laughs> it's just this whole thing. This whole article aggravates me. It's it's. I get the, I say this once a week at my house. Somebody posts stu- something stupid on the HOA page on Facebook. If you don't like it, 
move out of the neighborhood. <laughs> you know, it's not hard. And I, why does our neighborhood not have a pool? I don't want a pool. Well, why don't you want a pool? Hey, why don't you just move a neighborhood that has a pool? <laughs> Instead of being a pain in the neck to me. But anyway, okay, now you've got me mad again. And I'll, so tell me what your first ex- blush on the Wabash is. Yeah, I think this, this surprises me, but I think I actually am enjoying it less than you are. Um, I am going to take another clip on it and um, see if I can open it up a little bit. But I'm, I'm having to draw a little harder than I'd like, and so I'm missing some of that uh, that that flavor that I, w- I think I should be getting. It's not knocking my socks off by any stretch. Um, it's not bad, but it's just not really... Um, it's yet to impress me. I'll put it that way. And that's not just me having a you know an angst against crowned heads i would love to like crowned heads right and when they do something well we smoked one of theirs we liked a couple of weeks ago i can't remember the name of it but we smoked one that we liked a couple of weeks ago yeah um but this one just is not impressed me yet it's going to be interesting if it does but we'll step away for a cigar under eight we come back we'll talk about something happy all right we'll be back with that and more after this Shane here with this week's Cigar Under 8. This week, I want to talk about one of my top four cigars under 8 that is offered on the on the palate, the Tatawahe Tattoo. This is such a great cigar. I have smoked so many of these. They come in boxes of 50. And you can still get them for less than two, like yeah. 150 bucks. Yeah, Cigar.com, if you buy the... the um, the Calab- Caballero, which is the Robusto, five and a half by fifty, five dollars a stick. Yeah, can't I mean, beat it. A great cigar lasts longer than you think. This is, a, I'd say, it's a thirty-five minute smoke for me. Yeah, I'd say that's about right. There's a lot of times if I come into the shop a little early and I'm trying to unwind before the show, I'll grab a tattoo. Um, my this wife is a great smokes lunch a tattoo. Break smoke. Yeah, this is just a utilitarian smoke of all ages. I mean, this is just absolutely. Perfect. And if you've ever been afraid to give Tatawahe a shot because of the price point barrier to entry, this is a great opportunity to see what they can do on a super budget. Well, it's an Ecuadorian Habano wrapper of a Nicaraguan binder and filler, and it's blended so well that Ecuadorian Habano seems to remove a little of that Nicaraguan bite. It does, and it will it will heat up on you and change in that last once it gets past the band. Yeah, but just an outstanding cigar. Until next week, try the Tatawahi Tattoo. Welcome back to the Cigar Cast. One of your hosts, Shane, sitting across from the man who's more dangerous than a busload of nuns and orphans in a zombie movie, Trey Dedman. Is that dangerous? That's terribly dangerous. Let me tell you, if you're ever in an apocalyptic situation... And a busload of zo- of nom- of nuns and orphans pulls up and asks you if you need a lift. The answer is no. <laughs> Inevitably, because they become zombies, or because they're just too it, slow and too big a group. No, it just um, when a horror director is trying to inspire cheap, you know, a cheap pop, a cheap pop of horror, a busload of zombies and orphans is great. 
I mean, you can get cheap horror quick that way. Which uh, you don't, you're not horror is not your genre. It's not, not even a little bit. We were talking and, about that here last night. Yeah, I think it was. and Halloween. Don't you get the urge to watch a horror movie and just kind of the only? Uh, I I was actually talking to my daughter yesterday, and when and uh, this weekend we're going to watch Little Shop of Horrors. That's about. It's not a horror movie. No, it's not. But that's <laughs> as close as I get. <laughs> that's a Broadway musical. I know, but it's <laughs> such a good movie. Steve Martin, at his best. Uh, at his best. Unsung hero of that movie. Rick Moranis at his best. Rick Moranis at the height of his powers. Yeah. And on which he got punched last week. Did you I see heard that? that I, I someone told me that, and I heard about it. But we were on the camping trip, and the the best thing about the camping trip is that there's no cell service within, like, an hour. And so someone can be talking the, the, the biggest BS you've ever heard, and you have no way to fact-check them. And I love that. I miss so those days. tell me about the camera trip. How'd that go? Oh, man, it was brilliant. We uh, took a little bit of an earlier start than we normally do. So we typically leave out on Thursday morning, and it's about a five-hour drive from here to, to where we camp. And, but... So my dad and uncle took off Wednesday night, and they got to Lenore City. So they were about an hour and a half away when they woke up. So me and the other guy that I rode with, or that rode with me, rolled in about 1 o'clock yokel time, so Eastern time. And uh, camp was already set up. We We cut three mature trees worth of firewood right. and, and I split over half of it so I probably split three quarters of a I, quart I of wood your shoulders are filled out oh man I love swinging an axe <laughs> I absolutely See, love how it how can you not like horror movies <laughs> <laughs> I mean really I, just, I will just be prepared when it happens to me but I don't want to watch it to other people well just just for the record avoid nuns and orphans if okay. you happen to be involved I will, I will in, remember that in a horror movie and, I, and you know I've, I'm by, in the process of looking to buy a camper and my brother just bought one, and he was talking about all of the state parks now have, oh, the wood has to be yeah. kiln-dried and pressure-treated because we don't want the North Swahili dung beetle infesting the woods. Or, and he's like, I'm just going to buy a propane fire pit and carry with me. And I'm like, that there's really, no romance. Exactly. No, that's what I love about this is we're in a, we're in a national forest. So it's the exact – and I think that this is – this is government gone mad, right? In a state park, you have to bring in firewood. You can't source it there. Right. And it has to, like you say, it has to be kiln dried. It has to be bought so that there's no Dutch elm disease and boring tree beetles and things like that. Not even exciting tree Not beetles. Not even exciting tree beetles. <laughs> beetles. I'd, be, I'd, I'd be more concerned about exciting tree beetles <laughs> I would, would boring tree beetles. In a national forest, you are not allowed to bring wood in for the same reason, because if you buy it from Publix, there's no telling where that wood actually came from, and you can bring an invasive species in that way. But anything dead, you can you can fell if it's upright, right. or if it's already down, you can just harvest from that. And we had three huge trees that we just cut off of all weekend. See, I've been in I've been in the woods for a huge portion of my life. There's no dearth of dead trees to drag up and turn into firewood. This is, it doesn't take a genius to make this process work. No, and what I love too is there's a lot of poverty in that area. And so it's actually, you can get a permit and it's free. You just have to have a permit to be able to go and harvest it. Something to like two cords a year 
or maybe it's a season. I don't remember which. And you can go in if you're if you're a Tennessee resident. You can go into the the natural, and you can get as much firewood as you need and take it home and use it. So it it helps. What's the difference in a rick and a cord? A rick is half a cord. A rick is half a cord. A r- okay. A rick is four feet by four feet by eight feet. Right. And a cord is eight cord, by four by eight. No, a cord is four by eight by 16. So it's, it's oh, four so, by eight so by eight. So a rick eight. is a quarter a cord. No, it's four by four by 16 or four by eight by eight or something okay. like that. I was just curious. So Tatawahe's event only shrunken <laughs> that pumpkin. was some whiplash. <laughs> Tatawahe's event only shrunken pumpkin coming this month. So October is Tatawahe's heyday. Oh yeah, they, they are. We were talking about the um, Karloff a couple weeks ago. Right now we've got this one, and it seems like Tatawahe really seems to come alive in October. I think Pete Johnson is probably just a big fan of Halloween, mm-hmm. and uh, so they're they've had an event only cigar called the Shrunken Pumpkin for a long time. And now they're actually going to do a broader release of it. It's a 4x50 San Andreas wrapper over Nicaraguan binders. Is is this the all San Andreas show? Seems like every it cigar we've talked about has had a San Andreas wrapper I tonight. think it is. And uh, so here's the thing. They're wanting to use it as a way to bolster selling Tatawahes and surrogates. And Latelia. Yeah, have you ever been in a shop that had plenty of tatawahes and surrogates? Tatawahes, <laughs> yes. Surrogates, not so much. That's one that pretty much as soon as they hit the shelves, if they even hit the shelves at all, tend to go pretty quickly. Yeah, I mean the animal cracker Austin can't keep on the shelf here. Right. He gets the animal crackers, a box of them. I go ahead and pick up a couple because I know they're not going to be here, and they're not a cheap cigar. Right. I know they're not going to be here long. And uh, and Tatawahe does their annual monster cigar very well. This is just seems like something Tatawahe does well. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I'm excited to see this. I, I look forward to getting one. I will definitely get one, even though it is a 4 by 50 Yeah, that's small for you. Yeah, but I'm getting over that. Um, I'm really moving away from having to have a 660 every time I smoke. And it looks like it's a tapered 4 by 50 as well. Or is that just the picture? No, it does, and it looks like it's kind of chunky, that it real does. chunky, like you could set it on its end and it's set up all on its own, which mm-hmm. I like that style of right. cigar. Um, but this brings us to a topic. So last night while we were here playing poker, you were assembling a bicycle for the shop. I was. And I must have not been very difficult, or you're a lot better at it than I thought, because it didn't seem to take terribly long. It, it actually took me longer than I was hoping. It took me a little under an hour. I was, I was hoping for about 30 minutes, but uh, I fought with my air pump for a little bit longer than I probably should have. So it's a CAO Bones um, bicycle. And what are the, are the handlebars? I don't want a motorcycle. They're called ape hangers. I think you would call those ape hangers, yeah. And uh, the ape hangers is, is a beach cruiser style bike, mm-hmm. which yeah. I do like. And six so, speed as six well. Six speed? No kidding. Yeah. Oh, I figured it just had two or three speeds. Usually beach cruisers don't have a lot of speeds. I, if any at all. Usually it's just one. But no, this one has a six speed uh, rear derailleur. Oh, wow. So you were putting that together. We were playing poker. And it got me thinking about things a cigar shop could do. You know, everybody that has a home cigar shop has the armchair cigar shop owner. Right. You ha- and I'm not talking about that guy. I'm not, I'm not talking about the guy that says... Oh, it sits there and bitches about every little thing. Right. The owner should do this because that would benefit me. Right. <laughs> and uh, I'm not talking about that guy. I'm thinking about little things, just like we were talking about earlier. The, off- the difference in bad and great is very thin. 
the, there's a list of little things a cigar store can do to go from bad to great. And the easiest, well, it's not really that easy. It can be expensive. It can be inexpensive. And I think it kind of depends on how close an eye you keep on it. But the best thing any cigar shop can do to, to make sure that they're closer to great than good, maintenance. Nearly every cigar shop I've ever been a member of or a regular at has been a little lack lacking on maintenance. Yeah, keep everything up. Keep paper towels in the bathroom. Keep soap. Keep the keep it clean. Keep Wipe every, the walls down every once yeah. in a while. Every now and then, keep the ash up off the floor. Keep the ashtrays and hey, replace people, broken furniture. People working at a cigar shop. How hard is it once an hour just to get up and make a loop? Throw all the ash out of the cigar out of the ashtrays. I mean, Sean when he's here, he does an excellent job. Oh, yeah. He's ever thirty minutes. Yeah. And I'll very consistently. Those of, those of you who are regular listeners will have heard that many a time. Yeah, there's sometimes he comes over here and I'm like, okay, we're good. We've just got the ashtray exactly like we want it. Please don't take it. But, um, yeah, maintenance is a big thing. Now, promotions are another thing. So I think there's two sides of this. Some cigars, for whatever reason, are not going to sell well in some shops. Right. Everyone's palate is going to be a little different. Sometimes you're going to try to introduce a cigar, and it's just not going to go over. Right. And, and that's because as well as you know your regulars, you can't always anticipate that a cigar is going to be a hit. Well, you know, Austin got a bunch of stuff in here. I won't mention the name because I'm, I'm, I don't want to talk bad about anybody's product. But he got it in here, and I said, man, why did you get this stuff? Nobody in here is going to smoke this stuff. He's like, well, they gave me a heck of a deal on it. Well, yeah, there's a reason they gave you a heck of a right. deal on it. <laughs> because it sucks and all. And, you know, so the mo- I think the best one I seen this year was when they did the um, Traeger giveaway yeah. with La Aurora. Oh, that was brilliant. And, I mean, because it's a grill. It's what everybody, and everybody likes the Traeger stuff. They probably bought, you know, a, a shipping crate load of them and didn't have a huge amount of, of cost in it. And sold a ton of cigars off of that. Yeah. I mean, and it doesn't hurt that they're a great brand. Yeah, I think that helps. You know, and and you can only hope that you're one of those brands that's going to bring a crowd. It's well, not you know, always going to happen, but you hope. The CAO promo that's going on right now. The CAOs in this shop are not the good best that CAO has to offer. By and large, though, they are pretty good. Well, he's ran out of the... Um, Amazon series. He's ran out of the Amazon series, which that, that's not as big a deal. He's ran out of the um, the Sopranos cigar. Yeah. Conciliary. He's ran out of that, and he hadn't reordered that. He doesn't have the Zocala, which is my favorite in the CAOs that they make. Um, you know, you're pretty much left with Bones, Knuckle Busters, and Brasilias, and Punch um, Diablos is what and he's pillow. got over there. And all. Yeah, he's got a few pillow. And all, but um, I think that's a huge deal. I think if before you do a bicycle, I don't think it's unreal for a company to say, "Hey, you want to do the bicycle promo? That's fine, but you need to buy a couple of boxes of cigars so that you've got, well, so that we get the benefit out of it too." And typically, I'm gonna I'm gonna defend Austin here a little bit. Uh, a, a, this is kind of a unique promotion in that this is the first one that we've seen kind of post COVID. You know, typically this would be a a giveaway at the end of a night. Sure. Where and yeah, and when you're doing an event that's a one night event, you buy a lot more because you sell a lot more. When you do an event like this, you don't want to get too sold in on something 
when it's going to filter through your average daily sales. It, it You would almost have to bring a new sales rep in to just sit there and work the CAO section for days at a time. And I don't think that anybody really has that availability. No, but the, you know, the bicycle, it's a it's an eye-catching thing. I think that's important when you're doing these promos. It's got to be something that people, when they walk in, they see and it really catches their eye. And all in this instance, Sean walks in and trips over it. Right. <laughs> Well, the, the kickstand on it's not real great. I oh, was fighting okay. with it last night. It was, that was pre-installed. That was not something that I put oh, on. Oh, that it. wasn't your fault? Yeah, the no, kickstand was already... You did what I said, don't hook up the brakes in case I don't win it? Yeah, exactly. Okay, if I do win it, I'll need you to hook up the brakes. But okay. if I don't win it, you can leave them unhooked. I got gotcha. you. <laughs> oh, but the, um, you know, and I, I, I guess I'll buy a few, I'll buy a few CO, CAOs that I normally wouldn't buy. Yeah, for the chance. Yeah, for a shot at it. I, so I guess the promo is doing exactly what it's supposed to. I think the the least effective of these promos is the buy four, get one free promo. You know, and we've talked about this on the show before. I've been smoking cigars for, what's it, 16 years now. And I've been around long enough that I remember when you would go to a cigar event and they would hand you a cigar. Right. With the expectation that you were going to buy Sure. And then it went to buy one, get one. And then it went to buy two, get one. And then buy three, get one. And now we've all kind of settled on this buy four, get one, buy ten, get two, buy a box, get eight, or whatever. Well, from a sales standpoint, they have changed, they've shifted the paradigm. Yeah. Because, okay, if I walk in and a man hands me a cigar and says, hey, we're doing a... CAO event tonight, here's a freeze Ocala, enjoy. I have a certain amount of reciprocity that I'm Absolutely. going to I'm going to be more likely to buy. Versus I come in here and you're doing an event for a company or a brand that maybe I'm not all that familiar with. Maybe I don't necessarily dislike, but they're not one of my go-tos or favorites, anything like that. If my barrier to entry to get a free cigar, and I'm not trying to sound like a choosing beggar here, but if my barrier to entry to be involved in the promotion is four cigars from a brand that I'm not familiar with, that's that's a pretty high hurdle. Well, they've removed the reciprocity. Yeah. The, the paradigm they're working on now is, um, okay, if, if you're willing to take the chance, we'll give you a free one. Right. You know, if you're willing to roll the dice. And it's, it's one of those things that if... What, so I'm. I'd rather have five cigars that I don't like versus four, like, right? You know. Yeah, it's just um. Now the prearranged bundle, where they come in, they say, "Hey, here is our prearranged bundle. We're running it on a sale. Yeah, thirty nine dollars gets you these five cigars, and we'll throw in two free when you right. buy the bundle. That's a great promo. It is. Or and uh, there have been a couple of companies. In fact, CAO did it for a while. I think uh, where you can do the whole. They do a special promotion for a build-your-own half box. So they've got these these boxes lined out, and you put ten cigars in it, and you get two or three free. And they're special, like event exclusives and things like that. I think that's a good way to do it. So if you are a cigar store owner, how do you handle clearancing out old cigars? that aren't selling very well. You know, Austin does it about twice a year. He just fills up the little tub in the back. Six bucks a stick. Yeah, six bucks a stick. And all, but I think every six months is too too long. I mean, how do you how long does it take a cigar to catch on in a cigar shop? About well see that's tough because 
usually what will happen is a cigar will come in and everyone will try it. And then, oh, that sold fast. I'm going to buy that much again. And then it sits. And so I think once you get past that initial order and the initial sort of um, excitement around it, I think it's in about another month or two. Yeah, and you need to be in close contact with your customers. You need to be asking customers how they feel about it, how they like it, what they think about it. And you almost need a, a council of customers that get together that people, you know, if I'm standing in the humidor, it happened to me tonight. If I'm standing in the humidor and one of the regulars walks in, he says, hey, Shane, I want something different tonight. What do you recommend? Because they know I do the podcast. They know right. I smoke cigars. They know I've got a, a pretty evolved palate mm-hmm. as that goes. And, all, and I think there's somebody like me in every shop. Oh, there absolutely is. And I think that's one of the things that, you know, we spoke very highly of Austin when he took over this shop. And he still does it of, of kind of going around saying, all right, what, what do we not carry that you're having to buy somewhere else? Sure. And I think the the best shops are people that kind of continually do that. Hey, I'm going to the show this month. What do you want me to make sure and try? What are you excited about? That sort of thing. Well, you know, Madison does a great job. Every year after the show, they have an event where they just come out and they start and they talk to all the guys about what they bought at the show, what's coming in at the shop. They've got some samples. They got some stuff like that, and they create a buzz about cigars coming to the shop. So, going to our whole, you know, kind of promotions and how do you how do you elevate a cigar from good to great, uh, a cigar shop that is. I'm curious your thoughts on members only events. It's not something they do here. I I can see why it would work. I can also see why it doesn't work. I'm curious what your thoughts are. You have to have enough real estate that you can have a members-only event, but the but other people can still come in and smoke. That so I'm I'm glad you said that because that's my exact complaint with some of the members-only events is they shut down the shop. How especially if it's a shop like this one that runs a waiting list for their lockers. So. I want to be a member. You don't have availability for me to be a member. I'm here every day anyway. Now you're telling me I can't come into my regular shop and it's not my own fault? Well, how do you feel about... Well, I th- and I think the, the compromise is simply this. We're having the post-trade show event. Um, you're going to get three cigars and... $15 ticket. Throw, yeah, $15, $25, $20, whatever ticket. Yeah. And you buy a ticket to that event. Now, in that case, shutting down the shop to me is just fine. Yeah, absolutely. As long as it's still available to everybody. And, and I think that, yeah, I think that's absolutely the key. Give members, you know, first, you know, have your max capacity to be whatever it is. Give all of your members first run and then only sell the amount of tickets left after your members have had a shot. Yeah, it, and I think that's a great thing. Now, the, you know, the poker night is always brilliant. Um, and our poker night, we play and we we all put in a cigar, $8 or better. We pay first and second, and then we cut the pot and send third place to Cigars for Warriors every right. week. And, all, and I think a shop, you know, we've talked about changing it here. And I think that it'd be brilliant. You know, offer a $50 gift card for the winner, and then everybody puts a cigar in yeah. to get into the game, and all the cigars go to Cigars for Warriors. Right. I mean, everybody would be all about that. Yeah, and I think... The thing with poker nights, and it works well here because this shop has a lot of real estate. You know, this is a fairly sizable shop, and so the the poker night works here. 
You guys aren't too intrusive. You tend not to be, well, now that some of your regulars, have, your former regulars aren't coming anymore, it tends not to be too loud. Um, but in smaller shops, a poker night can be extremely obnoxious if you're not paying, if you're yeah. not participating. You know, our poker night works because we have an amazing commissioner. <laughs> who's willing? Who's willing to make sure? Well, I'm not. I'm okay. I'm tooting my own Don't horn. Don't break your arm trying to pat yourself on the back. There, you get dislocated hey, shoulder. I have been. I was voted commissioner. I was voted commissioner. I've been trying. I've ran unopposed the past three years. I would really like for somebody to vote me out of commissioner. Just so you could vote for the other person <laughs> yeah. and step down? Wouldn't bother me in the least to get voted out of the commissionership. It's, pretty much, it's pretty much emperor at this point. Czar. Uh, I prefer czar. Oh, okay. <laughs> Poker czar. And, and our guys... Only if she agrees first. Yeah, sure. <laughs> our guys... Um, you know, we're very welcoming. Somebody comes in, hey, yeah, come sit down. You know, my wife is wonderful at this. This is one of my wife's greatest qualities. And uh, another lady will come in, hey, we play poker, and we have ladies at the, you know, I play poker every time when we have them and all that. And I do think that that gives our poker night a uniqueness it does. that other cigar shops don't have. Well, and that's a, that's a this cigar shop thing. There's only one other cigar shop in the area I can think of that has as many female regulars as this shop has. True. And that does a lot for creating a sense of community where maybe there wouldn't be one otherwise. Well, and we're going to talk about this in our next topic. That was my that was my <laughs> pseudo segue. There's nothing, I don't believe, there's any place more welcoming to all races, creeds, genders, everything. If Martians came in and wanted to have a cigar here, they would be welcome. Well, to a point, and I mean, I, I agree with you, and we've talked about that on the show quite a bit about how welcoming diverse um, welcoming and diverse the cigar community by and large has to be. There was a great article on NBC uh, NBC News today and um, it it heavily features a very good friend of mine, Sean Williams and that was really what kind of drew me to the article and it's talking about sort of it frames it around the pandemic and how something that you and I both recognized, which is that a lot of cigar smokers, cigar sales actually went up during the pandemic because a lot of people who had this hobby used it as a way to kind of maintain a sense of normalcy. And and luckily for those of us in the Southeast, you know, the, the quarantines and the shutdowns and things like that happened right at right in the middle of spring. So it was a nice enough you could sit outside and right. kind of through the it summer. It didn't happen in the dead of winter. Exactly. And even still, Tennessee's dead of winter is like summer in Michigan. Yeah, we, we, we've got kind of a, of a, you know, sick of winter. Yeah, we've got a, <laughs> yeah, we've got a bipolar winter around yeah. here. But anyway, so what it talks about is um, it starts talking about Greg Willis, who is one of the five founders of Emperor's Cup. And he's talking, and, and, and the framework of this article is that black cigar smokers are, are finding a community and business opportunities amid the pandemic. Now, I don't think you and I have ever been in a, in a shop that was segregated, but there are a lot of shops. I, I mean, <clears throat> let me take a step back. If you ask the average person what they picture a cigar smoker to look like, they pretty much describe the Monopoly Man, sure, um, almost exclusively, and and regardless of whether that's true or not, that's a lot of people's perceptions. And so, if you have that perception of what the cigar community is like, and you're someone who may feel like you're not going to fit in, it can that can be its own barrier to entry. 
this is one of those things that you and I disagree on, which is that representation is key. And I think it's a, I think this article does a great job of highlighting cigar companies with black ownership and cigar shops with black ownership. And, you know, this is something that you and I cannot speak on with any authority because we're not a member of that community. But there's... This goes back to our argument earlier. But there is... I'm not saying we can't understand certain principles, but we certainly can't speak with authority. But it's one of those things where representation is key. And if, it, if regardless of what group you're a part of, if you feel like you're not going to be welcomed, it, it, it's very likely that you won't even try. And so I think this is great to highlight black ownership in the cigar community as being it's not just rich white guys sitting around smoking Monte Cristos and drinking brandy, that there is a the whole section, and especially in the Atlanta area and to a certain extent here, there are whole shops which thrive around that culture. You know, it's it's more than just a racial thing. It's a cultural thing. You know, you look at churches in the Southeast as well. You know, there are certain cultural differences that I think it's important for us to highlight that these these different types of shops, these different micro-communities exist within the, the hobby of cigars. Well, but... I don't know. I'm I'm terrible to comment on things like this because I treat everybody exactly the same. You've never seen, you know, it, the only th- way I will I will treat you exactly as you deserve. If you're a jerk, I will treat you as a jerk. If you're a good person, I will treat you as a good person regardless of what color you are. It just it's not an issue in my life. It's just never been. And 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 that's great. But that's not true for everybody. But it's the easiest thing in the world. Explain. I, I wonder. I often wonder where racism comes from. Because, to me, the silliest thing in the world is to fault somebody for their ancestry. I just can't imagine why that matters. But it's but it's still alive today. Yeah, it is. There there are racists out there. I mean, I'm not naive enough to say there are not, and all. But it's just um I don't know. I just don't put any energy into it because it's just to me, everybody's equal. Everybody has ability. Don't be a jerk. Be a fun person to hang out with, and people will hang out with you regardless. You know, I walk into the shop, you know, and I'm, I'm the mayor of the shop. People say, hey, you know, hardly anybody comes through these doors that's a regular that doesn't say hi to me. Right. And I'll, and there's, you know, Sean, who's back there. We need to have Sean on the podcast one night and let We've him just talk that about that. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to have Sean on the podcast and let him talk about it because it's really just not an an issue and I'll even tolerate people that I normally wouldn't tolerate. You know, people with a little more arrogance, a little more jerkitude that um in a cigar shop that I normally wouldn't because I'm just I'm just there for the length of a cigar to enjoy that time and all and we have you know, we have football here on Saturdays and we all bring food and sit there and tailgate and watch football games and smoke cigars and Everybody's welcome. If somebody walks in, hey, hey, how are you doing? Come over here. You want a brat? You know, we just it's just a very welcoming environment. And also the the article the article for me is kind of a nothing burger in that there's all kinds of groups comes in. I've never experienced racism in a cigar shop. And 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 that's wonderful. But I don't think that that's true for everybody and I think that this is a great opportunity on a national level this is the um 
The title of the article is Black Cigar Smokers Find Community Business Opportunities Amid Pandemic. It's from NBC News. I highly recommend this article. I think it's great. It even highlights the fact that there is still a bit of a good old boy network um, with some, uh, where was it? Uh, Some many have said that they had to endure obstacles like white run cigar lounges and retailers that limit or purposefully exclude black owned brands. See, if it's a good cigar, it's a good cigar. Yeah, and that's how it should be. But that's not how it is across the board. And so I think this does a great job of highlighting an issue that if you're not part of the community being limited or discriminated against, you may not recognize that it's happening. This is a great way to raise awareness for what's going on. And then you and I can be part of the solution. It, yeah, it's, it's kind of, it's, there's not, I don't have a lot to add to this article because it's just kind of a nothing burger for me. But, hey, whatever makes people feel good, if you can enjoy your cigar, enjoy your cigar. Just enjoy your time. Enjoy life. It's too short not to. Speaking of which, how are you enjoying that cigar? It's a five. Yep. I mean, it's a five. I was really hoping for more. I was, too. There's nothing standout about it. It's a good San Andreas. Yeah. They did a much better job with this San Andreas than they did with the Buckeye Land. Um. It's not the best San Andreas I've ever had. I've had really good San Andreas. I was amazed that I had to go to the retro hill before I really got much out of it. You know, typically crowned heads is is good. <laughs> That's not for the faint of heart. I should have warned you. Um, crowned heads is typically not a cigar that you have to go to the retro hill to, to, to find the flavor. And just for the record, don't retro hell when you're down to the last inch of the cigar. Yeah, that's probably a bad idea. That was probably my mistake is I'm down, you know, you took a call during the break and I'm a little further down than I usually am at this stage of the show. Yeah, your and eyes I are watering. And I try to retro hell and woo-wee. Yeah, it turns your tongue off too, apparently. Yeah. So, um, but, but yeah, so I'm going to give it a five as well. I will have another one just because anytime a cigar gives me less than a six on its first smoke, I owe it three smokes. And if, you know, and if I'm still right around that five on the second, I may or may not go for the third, but I'm at least planning to go for a third. Well, and it's a Nashville-only cigar for Casa de Monte Cristo, so it's kind of a unique cigar, kind of hard to get, you know, get. There's only one spot where you can get them, and that's right. here in Nashville at Casa. Um, not bad. Not bad. But, Good, not great. But I'm looking forward to my DNA next. Yeah, yeah, I've actually got a DNA. That's funny. We both chose a DNA for our second cigar. That's right. I'm looking forward to a DNA next and to sit and discuss life's issues with you and all that. And Since y'all can't be with us for that part of the conversation, how do they get a hold of us? You can reach us on uh, Facebook.com slash The Cigar Cast. We're on Instagram and Twitter at The Cigar Cast. And you can reach us at info at TheCigarCast.com. And just real briefly, I wanted to mention that we did get a message uh, at the end of last week uh, from someone here locally who said that they have a Bible study uh, at their cigar shop called God Guts and Gars. And I just thought that's a... That's better than Holy Smokes. That's better than Holy Smokes. And I just wanted to say, <laughs> yeah, all right. I, I'm glad to know that we, we did paint with some broad strokes, but there we are corrected that someone's being creative. And that was great. I wanted to give them a shout out. That's from Battleground South out in Columbia, if you oh, ever cool. happen to be out there. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening this week. And just until next week, have a great cigar and think well of us.